days till revival. 21 days, let me say this, 21 days till revive uh, 2013. Uh, November the 10th, we're, we're going to have a special singing group coming in. We're going to have a special minister, a special speaker coming in. Uh, but there's something that we all need to understand. They don't bring revival in their pockets. A special singing group doesn't bring revival. A special speaker doesn't bring revival. And I'm glad for them. And we're going to have a great time and God's going to move and it's going to be great. And they're going to minister and they're going to be a blessing. But that's not where revival comes from. Matter of fact, I'm praying, I'm praying that these 21 days of devotions, these 21 days of praying and fasting and asking God to move, I'm praying revival will break out before they ever get here and they will get revived. Amen. Come on, give him praise right there. <clears throat> I don't know I don't know if you are aware of it or not you have to be living under a rock to not know this but our country's in a mess we are in a mess we are in such a mess that the, the, the White House can't fix it we are in such a mess the state house can't fix it the Senate, listen Congress can't fix it only God can fix the mess we're in and it's got to come from right here. It's got to come from America's churches. It's got to come from America's Christians. Revival can happen. Somebody say amen. amen. I want you to look in Nehemiah chapter number 1. We're just going to read four short verses and to kind of catch you up to speed to where we are at. Uh, we have a concerned citizen, a concerned citizen who is inquiring about his country and his countrymen. He is, he is in captivity, if you will. He is an Israelite who has been in, 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 in bondage and slavery, if you will. Uh, he has been in a foreign country. Uh, he's got a very good job, though. He's got a very plush job. He's living in the palace. He's right next to the king. Uh, he's got it going on, if you will, but he cares about his country. And the, the, the nation of Israel was once uh, the, the number one most powerful nation in the world, uh, the most prosperous nation in the world, uh, the nation with the most pride in the world, had the favor of God and the hand of God upon it, but now it's in ruin. Now it's been destroyed. The gates have been destroyed. The walls have been destroyed. The temple's been destroyed. And, and here the nation of Israel is in bondage. They're in slavery because of their rebellion because of their disobedience under the word of God, and God brought them into bondage. But we know that God has grace and mercy. Say amen. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad that even, even when we mess up, there's grace, grace, marvelous grace. Amen. And where we're fixing to read, about 100 years before then, God allowed a remnant of people to go back, a group of people to go back and rebuild the city. Uh, rebuild the walls, rebuild the temple, rebuild the gates. And, and this is where we are at. We are finding Nehemiah inquiring about how things are going. How are things going back in Jerusalem? How things are going back with the countrymen? And this is where we are at in Nehemiah 1. If you're, where, if, if you're there, say amen. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month at Cheslu in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, concerning Jerusalem. You see, he cared enough to ask. 
He cared enough to ask. Most people don't want to know. Most people want to stay oblivious to what's going on around them because uh, information might bring obligation. You hear me? Information might bring obligation. If I know what's happening, I may have to do something about it. I may have to sacrifice. I, I, I may have to get out of my comfort zone and do something about it. But you see, Nehemiah asked about Jerusalem and the Jews living there because he had a caring heart. When we truly care about people, we want the facts, no matter how painful they may be. Aldous Huxley said this, facts do not cease to exist because they are ignored. The condition of our country is not going to get any better if we ignore it. Closing our eyes and our ears to the truth could be the first step toward tragedy for ourselves and as well as for others. He wanted to know how are things going. He cared. He was concerned about his country and countrymen. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also was broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, read it with me, read it with me. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Father, help us today, oh Holy Spirit. Please don't allow me to say anything I'm not supposed to. And don't let me omit. Don't let me forget anything I need to say. Lord, I pray that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to I describe, describe kind of uh, what this may be like. Uh, can, you imagine, can you imagine a missionary? Uh, 50 years ago today, 50 years ago today, a missionary leaves this country and goes to the, to the heart of Africa and goes into the jungles of Africa, goes into the dark continent there and, and goes deep into that country where there's no cell phones, there's no technology, uh, there's no way of getting information in or out. And he spends 50 years in that country, spends 50 years in the jungle. And now a, a visitor from America comes and, and he comes to visit this missionary and the missionary inquires about his country. The missionary inquires about America. How is America doing? How are things in my country? How are things in the homeland? Can you imagine the response he gets after he hears what he hears? What change has taken place in America in the last 50 years? What, what moral decay has taken place in America in the last 50 years? What degrading has taken place in America in the last 50 years? Can you imagine the response of this missionary when he hears about what's going on in our leadership? What's going on in our churches? What's going on in our communities? What's going on in Hollywood and in culture and on TV and what's allowed there? Can you imagine the response of this missionary? Well, this is kind of what we have. A hundred years before this, they were supposed to rebuild. They were supposed to, to bring back the glory. They were supposed to put back things and restore. And this book is so awesome. This book of Nehemiah is so awesome. When you deal with revival, you cannot ignore Nehemiah. You cannot ignore uh, the situation here and study these chapters throughout. Because in Nehemiah, when you deal with revival, the first thing you see, you see realization. There'll never be revival without a realization of where we really are in our country. 
You can't get to point B till you know where point A is. That's why you go into a mall and you see that red dot. What is the red dot? You are. You can't know where you're going till you know where you are. And there's got to be a realization. There's got to be a realization of who we are. There's got to be a realization of where we are. Listen, not only is there a realization, there's remorse. Hey, listen, remorse, he is broken because of what's going on. The Bible says he sat down and wept, and he was broken over the condition. He was broken over the situation that he sees and he faces. Listen, there's realization, there's remorse, then there's repentance. He begins to beg God for forgiveness. He begins to beg God for forgiveness of the sins of the nation, the sins of the people, and he includes himself in it and says, God, forgive us. Forgive us. Repentance, realization, remorse, repentance. Then there, then there is uh, restoration. After the repentance, there is restoration. They begin to restore the things that they neglected before. They begin to restore the reading of the Word of God. They begin to restore the obedience to the Word of God. And because of the restoration, there came reviving. And when there came reviving, there came rejoicing. Somebody needs to say amen right there. But listen, I want to be in the stage of rejoicing. I want to be in the place where people want to go to church again. I want to be in a place where the glory of the Lord radiates out of the church and and the church is on fire for God and there's joy unspeakable and full of glory. I want to be in that stage, but we can't get there till we get here. Listen, you can't get to chapter 8 till you get through chapter 1. I like being in revival. I like when people are excited. I like when people are energized. I like when people get right with God and listen, they turn their hearts back to God. I like when it's exciting. But we can't get there till we deal with chapter one. And I want to give you two points this morning. That's it. Two points. First, number one, I want you to see this. I want you to see the burden. We're talking about Nehemiah. I want you to see the burden. He discovered. Say that with me. The the burden he discovered. Now, I'm going to give you a definition of the word burden, uh, but it's not in Webster's Dictionary because I don't like Webster's definition. Say amen. I made my own of amen. What is a burden? I mean, really, because I've heard it my whole life. Growing up in church, you know, well, we got to get a burden. Or I've got a burden for Africa. Or I've got a burden for the lost. Or Brother Travis has got a burden for the homeless and the unsheltered in America and the world. I've got a burden. What is a burden? What is a burden? What, what, what? Here's, here's, here's the way I like to describe it. I, 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 this, is, this is, if I was to describe in my own words, this is Malcolm Theology 101, whatever you want to call it. This is how I would describe a burden. It is a need that causes a discomfort. In other words, when you hear about a need and it starts to bother you. You with me? You see, there's all kind of needs in this world, but they all don't bother me. They're not a burden. And you let me tell you why the church in America is where it's at today? Because they have no burden. Do you realize in Romans that Paul said, I would rather myself be a curse from God? In other words, if I could save all of my countrymen, God could send me to hell if I could save all my countrymen. 
He said, it's my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. You know what he's saying? I've got a burden. This need of salvation for my countrymen, this need is burning in my soul. This need is so serious, it's so important to me that I've got to do something. You can't be comfortable when you've got a burden. You can't sleep right when you got a burden. You can't eat right when you got a burden. Listen, we need a burden today. Revival will never come. Listen, revival will never come. What this church in America needs will never see what it needs till America's church gets a burden again. The burden he discovered. Well, what bothered him, preacher? What was it that he saw? What was it that he heard that bothered him so bad? First thing, don't you see this? First, A, there was only a remnant. There was only a remnant. The Not only was there only a remnant, they were in great affliction. You see, Israel used to be the greatest nation in the world. It used to be the most proud nation in the world. It used to be the most prosperous nation in the world. Are y'all with me? Does that sound like somebody we know? But now it's just a remnant, and they are struggling to survive. You know what? There was a day in America when the church was on fire. There was a day in America when church was the most popular place in town. There was a day in America when, the, listen, the power of God could be felt from the church. And listen, the church dictated activity in the community more than the pub did. But today the church is struggling. Today the church, now let me say this, let me say this. Just so we all understand this, the church is alive and well. When we talk about, when we talk about the church, the body of Christ, the, 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 the universal church, if you will, a lot of people don't like to use that terminology, but it is what it is. The, the universal church, the church all over the world, it's alive and well. It's exploding in China. It's exploding in India. It's exploding in Korea. It's exploding in all these areas, but not in America. It's dying in America. It's struggling in America. It's wounded in America. It's weak in America. Do you realize that less than 20% of Americans regularly attend church in America? Less than 20% of the population of the United States attends church on a regular basis. Less than 20%. American church attendance is steadily declining. Only one state is outpacing its population growth. That's Hawaii. Established churches... Established churches 40 to 190 years old are on average declining. They're not plateaued, they're going down. The increase in churches is only a quarter of what's needed to keep up with the population growth in our country. In other words, the number of churches that are being planted, the number of churches that are being started to keep up with the population growth is only a quarter of what's needed with our population growth today. By 2050... By 2050, the percentage of the U.S. population attending church will be almost half of what it was in 1990. Preacher, what are you saying? There's a remnant. It's getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. Have you, have you seen how atheistic and ungodly the culture in America has become? It is so anti-Christ, it's unbelievable. 
say, what bothered him? What burdened him? He saw a remnant. He saw a remnant. I go to churches all the time. Brother Travis, you travel all the time. I don't know what you're seeing, but what I'm seeing is the church is getting older and older and older and older. In other words, I'm seeing more old people and no young people. And guess what? They're getting less and less and less of the old people. And I'm not using that derogatory. I'm just trying to use a comparison. Preacher, what are you saying? We're not reaching the next generation. A remnant. How do you feel when you hear that? How do you feel in your heart when you see the real true condition of the church in America? You see only a remnant. That wasn't the only thing that bothered him. The Bible says he also saw great ruin. The gates were burned with fire. The walls were destroyed. The city was in a mess. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Our country is in a mess. Oh, they came to a solution the other day. Really? For what, a month? Borrowing, 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 borrowing. The only problem with socialism is soon you run out of other people's money. Our country is in a mess. I love, I love the song, The Star-Spangled Banner. I love it when they sing it. I love it when they play it. I, I, I love it when they, listen, I, I love everything about it. I, 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 I'm telling you, I get God bumps on my, on my neck and on my arms. I'm telling you, I got tears dripping off my face every time. I love The Star-Spangled Banner. I am patriotic to the bone. I love America. But there is a phrase in that song. It's very hypocritical. There is a phrase in that song that says, We're the land of the free. What a crock. The land of the free. We claim to be the land of the free, but we're in so much financial bondage. There's more people in financial bondage in America than probably any country in the world. We have debt coming out of our ears, and we don't even know what we're going to do. We are in bondage to debt. We are in bondage to pornography. We are in bondage, listen, to drug addiction. Listen, the sex trafficking that we have learned about just this week is at an epidemic level, second only to drugs in America. Do you realize human trafficking generates $9.5 billion every year right here in the United States? Approximately 300,000 children are at risk of being prostituted here in the United States. The average age of entry into prostitution and sex slavery of a child victim in the United States is 13 to 14 years old, right here in the land of the free. Listen, a pimp can make 150000 to 200000 per child each year, and the average pimp has four to six children that he is exploiting and abusing. The average victim may be forced to be with 20 to 48 people a day. Now watch this. One in three teens on the street will be lured toward prostitution within 48 hours of leaving home in the land of the free. It's been estimated that a little over 40% of all the missing children that you see on the milk cartons, that you see on Facebook, nearly 40% 
are in the sex traffic trade because they've been kidnapped, abducted, and here they are. In the land of the free. Here in America. Where in God we trust. What do you feel when you hear that? What do you feel when you realize? You see, we can't put our head in the sand anymore. We can't ignore the facts and hope they go away. Hope everything gets better. Hope it, hope, no, 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 no. We are going to be obligated to what we know now. Say, what bothered him, preacher? It was the remnant. It was the ruin. And this was the, this was the, the saddest one. The reproach. He said, we are in great affliction and reproach. He said, what in the world does that mean? The definition of the word reproach means disgrace. And if you want to define it this way so it's easier to understand it, it means to make God look bad. You ever heard the phrase, as a Christian, you're bringing a reproach on the name of Christ? In other words, words, if you say you're a Christian and you cuss out your neighbor, you just made God look bad. If If you put the fish sticker on the bumper and you're cutting people off in traffic and you're giving them the California high sign and you're doing all these things, you're making God look bad. If you're abusing your spouse and abusing your children and coming here and sing Amazing Grace, you're making God look bad. You're bringing a reproach upon the name of Christ. I looked up this word. This word was used again with David and Goliath. Y'all know the story. David comes in. He's this young, uh, fired-up little fella, and he's got the power of God on him. He's got the anointing oil dripping off his body. He's got the touch of God on him, and he comes into the army, and he hears this old cussing heathen down in the valley, Goliath cussing up a storm, raising Cain and, 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 and cussing the God of the armies of Israel. He's bringing a reproach on the name, and this is what David said. Who in the world is going to go down there and shut him up and take away this reproach? Same word. Take away this disgrace. He's down there. You know what made him mad? And this is what David said. Is there not a cause? Because the brothers didn't like it. The brothers were scared. The brothers didn't, didn't do anything to make a difference. And they got angry at David. But ain't David said, I got a reason to be angry. He's bringing a reproach on the name of our God. He's making our God look bad. Somebody needs to go do something. And he did, by the way. Are y'all with me? And you know what's happening in America? We are the joke of the world. We are the nation in whose God we trust. Now watch this. This nation of Israel, it was once a glorious nation. It was once a nation who had the favor and the anointing of God upon it. It was a nation who was filled with the glory of God. It was a nation that once people came from far and wide. They came from all other nations to come and see the hand of God. Come and see the blessings on Israel. They came to see the temple. They came to see the people. They came to see the palace. And listen, even the Queen of Sheba, she said, I tell you what, they told me this and they told me that, but the half has never been told. I'm telling you what, she said, when I saw the way you went to church, it took my breath away. And it's not because she'd never been to church. It's not because she'd never been to a temple. She had idolatrous temples, but she ain't never gone to church with God in it. 
And when she saw the glory of God and the worship of the one true God, she said it took her breath away, but now it's gone. Now it's a reproach. Now it's a disgrace. They were God's people, but look at you. You're God's people, but look at the city. You're God's people, but look at your surroundings. Look at the ruin. Look at the shame and disgrace. Yes, we are in God. We trust and we're killing babies by the millions in abortion mills. In God we trust. Now watch this. Watch this. In my lifetime, in my lifetime, and I'm a baby. I am 39 for two more weeks, but I'm going to be it till the bitter end. Say amen. In my lifetime, I can remember very vividly when it was illegal to be homosexual in the military. It was banned. Then it went to don't ask, don't tell. There was no uprising of the Christian church. There was no uprising of the people of God with this abomination to the word of God. There was no uprising. Then we went from don't ask, don't tell to all's welcome. They disbanded don't ask, don't tell, and whoever comes in can come in. Now, this is where we're at. The U.S. military is teaching the soldiers that if you stand against tradition or you stand with traditional marriage, then you're in a hate group. I've got documents on my desk where they're being taught and they labeled the American Family Association in the same group as the KKK and the Nation of Islam. They have put them in a hate group. It was once illegal to be that, but now if you stand for traditional marriage, if you stand for one man and one woman forever, now you're in a hate group. In my lifetime, look where we have gone. In God we trust. We are bringing a reproach on the name of God. Now listen, we can ignore it if we want to. But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, God does not ignore and overlook sin. The judgment of God is coming to America. The Bible says, in verse 4, when I heard this, he said, I wept. I sat down and I wept and I mourned. It broke his Where's the weeping? Where's the brokenness over the state of our country? Where's the brokenness over the condition of our churches in America? Where's the brokenness of the slide of immorality that we are going in a hundred miles an hour? Where's the brokenness? Yesterday, man, God, don't you hate it when God convicts you? And just pops you right in the mouth. Yesterday, my team lost. They lost. 
y'all y'all won war eagle roll tide roll eagle I, whatever amen hey y'all you know whatever I told him I said we're gonna start going to we're gonna start going to the games and ambulances because ours just keep getting hurt amen <laughs> I was mad I was angry I, I, I listen I, I, I was I was I was angry at the offensive coordinator I was angry at it and I, I'll just and I was just pitching a fit. And you know what God said? You didn't get that angry when, 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 when they said, don't ask, don't tell. He said, you didn't get that angry. Now, now before y'all go to condemning me, come on. You didn't get that angry when they took prayer out of schools. You didn't get that angry when they started taking away freedoms and trying to take the Ten Commandments out of the courthouse. No, we just kept going to work. You know what? Let me tell you why. Because I hadn't touched that yet. You let it touch that right there, and we're going to rise up in arms. But as long as I'm, I'm getting my paycheck, don't, you know, while America goes to hell. Let me tell you what's wrong with the church in America. Same thing that God slapped me in the face yesterday with. We're getting mad at the wrong things. We're getting burdened, we're getting, we're getting bothered by trivial things that don't matter. And when the real things and the real items and the real serious issues, we are staying mute to. While the leadership in this country is dragging us to hell 100 miles an hour. And I'm talking about all of them. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican in here. Our country's on its way to hell. We just go in life like nothing's going on. But the Bible says when he heard it, he said he wept and mourned. Listen, we need to get tears again. You may, you may tell you, here's the deal. You can't manufacture tears. You can't work up a burden. I can give you all these. Matter of fact, I've got a bunch more. I've got a bunch more numbers. I don't even have time to give you. How about the number of kids going to bed hungry in the United States? Hungry. I, I'm not even going there. But you see, the numbers is not going. It's got to be the touch of God touching our hearts, breaking our hearts. Revival comes when God breaks our heart for what we see. Mine eye affecteth my heart. What did he do? We not, only see, we not only see the burden that he discovered, but we see the behavior he displayed. He wept and mourned. Then B, he fasted and prayed. He fasted and prayed. Ladies and gentlemen, the disciples had an issue and they became powerless in their ministry. And, and because they became powerless in their ministry, they asked God, why couldn't we do this? And he said, this kind cometh out not by but prayer and. And I'm going to ask you to fast with me. We have 21 days of devotion. 21 days of prayer. 21 days of Bible reading. 21 days of fasting. There's different kinds of fasts. I've, I've listed several in here on the second page, second or third page. And, and, and you do whatever God tells you to do. You do whatever fits you. There's different kinds. If you'll just wait, wait till we get through here. And, and you can, listen, here, here's the thing. 
you fit what God tells you to do. There's a Daniel fast. Daniel fasted 21 days. He wouldn't, he wouldn't eat nothing that was a privilege, if you will. He wouldn't eat no meat. He wouldn't eat nothing that was, was special. He had the simple vegetables and water because he was, he was sacrificing to see the hand of God move in his life. Some people, we've, we've, had, we've had revivals where we've asked people to take one day and just fast all day. Nothing but, nothing but liquid. Some people, fast, some people fast one meal a day, and they spend that time praying for the meeting. I don't care how you do it. I don't care which one you use. There's several different ones you can hear and look at. But whatever God tells you to do, let's get serious with God. And if it's not important to you, it don't count. In other words, in other words, I can say this. I tell you what, preacher, I'm going to I'm going to fast liver and onions for 21 days. I've been fasting that 39 years. Say amen. You see that wouldn't count. I'm not giving up anything. Let me tell you what the problem is. Our spirit wants revival but our flesh is in too much control. And when we fast, we're getting a hold of the flesh. And our churches need to get back to fasting and praying. Listen, he wept and mourned. He fasted and prayed. He stood up and volunteered. Here's the thing. We don't need to, we, we don't need to say, oh, God, send somebody. Oh, God, raise up somebody to bring revival. We need to be like the prophet said, here am I, send me. You know what I found out? When you really get a burden, you're not satisfied unless you do something about it. You see, other people could go. He could have sent other people, but he had the burden. You see, he had a plush condo in the palace. He had a very cush job. He had it made in the shade, drinking lemonade. Say amen. But he gave all of that up to go live in ruins and work day and night, move in such a way to see something happen. Let's don't put this off on nobody else. Let's don't wait. Let's don't wait for Daystar to have revival. Let's don't wait for Bethlehem West to have revival. Let's don't wait for any other church. And I love them all. Let's us have revival. And let me say this. Let me say this. And I can say that. Me and Brother Jerry's good buddies. We're, we're great buddies. And he, he'd say the same thing. Let's, let's do it this way. Let's not wait till them people over there get it. You get it. I'm not going to wait for somebody else in the temple to, to have revival and get burdened. I want God to burden me. We'll never, ever see renewal, restoration, revival, and rejoicing till first we get a burden. Till first, we get broken. Till first, we experience remorse. Now watch this. Watch this. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Stay with me. Stay with me. 
Everything you heard today, when you heard it, that's how you feel. Because the Bible says, when I heard that, I wept in my heart. I got a burden. Well, preacher, I'm, I'm about done in life, but what about your kids? At the pace that we are going, what in the world country is our grandkids going spiritually? What kind of ungodly anti-Christ culture are they going to have to live in? Because we ignored it. And we didn't get a burden. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask as many of God's people that will find a place in this altar with me. And this is our, this is our request. God, give me a burden. See, revival's not going to happen until we get a burden. Change is not going to happen until we get a burden. I want families to come. I want husbands and wives to come. I want families with their children to come and find a place in this altar and say, God, burden me for revival. Burden me. Don't let me eat right. Don't let me sleep right. Don't let me be satisfied where I am. Give me a burden for my country. Give me a burden for my church. Give me a burden for my family. Give me a burden for my city. Give me a burden for my community. Give me a burden for my country. Give me a burden for the world. That's it. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't stay in that pew. Don't stay in that pew. We can't ignore the facts. We can't ignore where we're at. We can't ignore it. We can't ignore it. Father, please move in an awesome way. Father, please move in an awesome way. I pray in Jesus' name. I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on every soul. I pray that you'll move on every heart. I pray that you'll move on every person. I pray, God, that you will put a burden so great, so mighty, and so powerful in every single heart, every single individual, that it cannot be denied, it cannot be ignored, it cannot be shunned, it cannot be discarded. Oh, God, give us a burden. Give us a heart for sinners. Give us a heart for the lost. Give us a burden for the condition that we are living in and we are seeing in society. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll please move. I pray that your will be done. I pray in Jesus' name that you'll touch our hearts, touch our minds, touch our souls, touch us so, so deeply, touch us so powerfully that we'll never be the same. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move in an awesome way. And Lord, we'll thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. You take all the time you need to pray. You continue to pray. Let's everybody else stand up. We're going to sing a verse of invitation. I need you to come. If you're not saved, if you don't know Christ, I want you to come. I can't hear the piano. Say, do it loud. Sing on. Come on. Sing with us, church. Sing with us, church. There we go. I cannot bear. Hey, what are you burdened by? Are you burdened by the economy? Are you burdened by the athletic department? Are you burdened by what we're facing in our community today? Oh, come to him. Call on him. He said, I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. Help us now. Yes, amen.
Everybody sing. Everybody sing now. I must tell Jesus. Yes, amen. I must tell him about my problem. I must tell him about my burden. I must tell him about my need. I can't handle this. I can't fix this all by myself. Help us now. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. Sing the chorus again. We're going to sing that chorus again. Sing it with all you got now. Let's let the devil know we're here. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus. Let's give him praise and glory in his house. Come on. Come on. Amen. You know, you know when I when I see the reality of life and where we're at and what's happening, it really seems impossible. 